0: Everybody. Welcome to We've Got to Beat, the podcast devoted to entertainment for teens from the 80s and beyond. Though, honestly, we're almost, I don't think, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to the 80s. I think there may be one or two left. What do you think?
1: I mean, I think that there will be, you know, select things, but we really did focus uh, so much on the 80s at the, the first, you know, yeah, at well, the beginning. Yeah, so we haven't gone around
0: I, to the Valley Girl stuff yet, the double feature
1: There will always
0: be stuff that we'll, like, circle back to. Like, today! Yes! Um, I forgot. I literally forgot this was an 80s movie. I thought it was 1990 or 91. Hello! Sorry! So, uh, this is... It's not really going to be in time for horror, because I still haven't posted the Urban Legends double feature. So, this is going to be, like, right after. They're thrillers, so they're not straight-up horror uh, films. Um, Is it weird that there was a period where horror movies faded away in the thriller... A lot of it was, like, the boyfriend from hell, the nurse from hell, you know, the the affair from hell kind of movies that took over for, like, a decade. Well,
1: that stuff is sometimes scarier because it could be real.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's what happened. I think what happened was we went from slashers to, like, this rubber reality, cartoony, one-liner stuff that was happening mm-hmm. with, like, Child's Play and, and, and Freddy Krueger and stuff like that. Yeah. And people really weren't finding it scary. It was interesting, and it was you know wild special effects, but no one was really scared. And then, yeah. uh, like it, in '87, I think is the first time that there was like this huge box office with Fatal Attraction. People were like, well, what if we just made it grounded in reality, like something that could happen, it, so easily in real life? And that kind of took over until Scream reignited the whole uh, horror genre.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not really sure what made it change, but uh, I mean, that stuff is, you know, true crime and stuff like that never seems to like fade. Yeah, I mean, serial killers,
0: serial killer stories never end. I mean, if they're not, you know, true life, I can't believe we're telling the story of Dahmer and uh, Ted Bundy over Over, and over and over. over. Over and
1: over and over and over
0: and over again. My God. What I do like, though, is the fiction versions because they can get a little more flexible with, uh, you know, stories. They can take maybe something that was a true life story, like the way Law & Order does, and then they can add to it to make it a little more um, inventive. It might
1: be inspired by reality, but they can take, um, you know, liberties with
0: it, which yeah um so the first film we're gonna discuss you probably have never heard of um, there's like 80 copies of it on YouTube. it has a cult following but it's so small but it's called I saw what you did and it is a remake of a 60s Universal picture uh, with Joan Crawford I believe and in oh. this one kind of changes up the elements a little bit It kind of takes the parent out of it um right I don't remember the parent being really important in this movie.
1: No, that seems, you know, in in a lot of movies like this, and Scream and stuff like that, like, the parents are always, almost always, you know, mysteriously absent or you know they make a reference but the, the parents are always going out of town on a business trip there's always it seems like there's always like at least one they're, they're a single parent so there's extra strain it's all very yeah um you know maybe kids wouldn't be doing stupid shit if their parents were around and maybe that was a built in
0: cautionary tale? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Well, we were in it was in the eighties where I think they were dealing with the reality of divorce and you yeah. know, two parents working and stuff like that. But we also had that weird juxtaposition where there was the other side where all the parents are rich and they live in the suburbs, the safe suburbs and then they'll, you know, like destroy that for <laughs> there's no small town that's safe. There's no uh, suburb that's safe. Um which kind of made that scary. Being rich
1: doesn't make you safe
0: yeah, and uh, I, I think this is a real... I never saw the original. I do not know where you could find it right now, honestly. Um, at the time, this had huge ratings, um, but it's sadly been forgotten, and I think I think it's a worthy film. I, I was really entertained, and I think um, Robert Carradine is kind of only known for the Revenge of the Nerds movies, but he did a lot of work that was a lot darker and... and I think John Carper is the only one to ever pick up on that, where he cast him in his anthology uh, body body bags, and uh, he's Escape from LA. He's a, a nasty little sleaze ball, but would you say in he's general? He's
1: pretty good. What's that? He's pretty good at being unhinged.
0: Yeah, and um, if you don't know what the plot is about, it's just this random horsing around with teenagers. I I I've made prank calls before. Have you ever made a prank call? No. She's mature. (laughs) I don't know why. We just thought it was funny uh, in college to just randomly call rooms in in the dorms or whatever and just pretend like we're other people. (laughs) It was usually when we're drunk. But this is just like teenagers pulling this prank of, I saw what you did. I know what you did. I saw what you did. Whatever like that. And um, they're just horsing around. And then most of the time, it goes nowhere. And then this one, they happen to call... Uh, Robert Carradine's character, who is having a meltdown from being fired from his job and uh, ends up killing his girlfriend, and just. Well,
1: we find out that, you know, they don't talk about it in the way that we talk about things now, but he uh, has some serious mental health issues that he needs to address, and she tries to help him. He won't responds, she tries to get, you know, she asks his brother, played by his real brother, interestingly, to try to come talk to him, and, um, you know, then we start learning other things about his his background and his history that, you know, lead to this innocent lark turning into something very, very different.
0: You know, I think it's interesting. I was just watching the Long Riders, which is the Western that has all three Carradine brothers and the Keeches, the Quades and um, the guests. And they were talking about how much was not said. They would, they would take dialogue out because they were brothers and they could speak to each other really with just a look or a feel instead of just you yeah. know, exposition. And you see it in this. There's a lot that David is playing without saying anything. I thought it was really interesting because he... This is maybe the only time where he's kind of, like, the scared guy.
1: Yeah, that is kind of interesting, isn't it? He seems like he's usually, like, uh, the put-together or the tough or the... The sinister, yeah. Yeah, or that. Um, It is, but it's, like... it's, It's mostly... I mean, he's very suspicious of a lot of his brother, but he has reason. And you realize that, you know, things are slowly revealed, that there's a no reason for his concern. And it's more uh, about his, like, I don't know, um, emotional well-being than, like, being fearful for his life, which is a mistake, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think... uh I think the the main casting of the girls they pick people who I mean that's the best thing they do in these movies is people you don't already have an identity with. Sometimes yeah. in the '90s, you know, it's it's loaded to the gills of people you knew from other TV shows. so You bring something else to it a lot, you know, up what you know from the characters from TV shows. At the time, Shawnee Smith had only been in um, a small role in Iron Eagle and then Summer School, and both, you know, she's very naive and sweet, and you don't feel like anything they're doing is malicious. They're just having fun. Tammy Lauren's character, I think, is a little bit more up her sleeve. Like, she maybe isn't the one that's so innocent and she's trying to drag Shawnee Smith's character along with her.
1: She's just kind of a bully. She's a little bit of a bully. She's not really, like, you know, honestly, she's not a good friend at all. And she keeps, like, manipulating her and being like... You're really not being a very good friend to me, and it's like in the reality, she's the one who's not a good friend because Tommy Smith's character is just like Kim is just, you know, she's she doesn't have any, you know, she really just doesn't have any desire to like, you know, be rebellious or you know do all these things, but she she does all these things that she wouldn't ever do without being pushed and yeah. pushed and pushed by this girl.
0: Yeah, there's so many situations she gets into that she would never do on her own for sure.
1: Yes. I would... And it's even more concerning because it's not just the two of them. It's, you know, her what, ten-year-old little sister is with them every step of the way which is really horrible.
0: Yeah, it's extremely irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. There's the whole situation where she ends up at his house. It should never have I happened. Know. But two, it's also the scariest. I think it's scarier that part than the, fi- the final showdown.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's, I mean, it, I think that this... I mean, it's a different kind of terror, but it's definitely, like, very...
0: Yeah, uh, the guy who directed this is Fred Walton, and and that's not a name that really people know. Now they know his first movie, When a Stranger Calls. Oh, Uh, very similar movie. Yeah, and uh, he did uh, April Fool's Day, which was one of the most misunderstood horror movies of the 80s. People wanted a slasher. They really wanted it to be because this is right when Freddy and Jason were at their peak. And to find out the whole movie's uh, a goof. Like, everybody's just fucking with everybody. It's, it's a gag upon gag upon gag. And, and it really pissed people off. And while critics liked it, uh, audiences hated it. And that basically destroyed his career. I think he's a very good director. He did a, uh, a lot of TV movies after this. So, like, I, uh, I saw what you did was his first. And he did one with Kathleen Quinlan called Trapped. Which I believe was one of the very first USA originals. And remember when that was a thing? You had TV movies used to be a thing, kids, all the time. Um, and we,
1: like,
0: built our schedules around those TV movies, dude. Yeah. Kathy uh, uh, Quinlan is working late at night, and she just goes down to the parking garage, realizes that she's too late to leave, and she's locked Hello. in. Because that's when they bring down, you know, the, those fence-gating things or whatever. And she's trapped in there with a killer, and it's just two people the whole movie, and it's so good. And I just wish it would be uh, someone would put it out on beyond VHS, you know.
1: Yeah, it seems like most of these movies that he directed are uh, most of them have a similar vein, and they also I've heard of almost none of them. Yeah, hardly I've seen
0: most of them. Kind of (laughs) lost
1: into the. the universe which is
0: sad yeah when a stranger calls back is infinitely better than i think we talked about this in the last episode is infinitely better than the original and sadly it was a TV movie uh,
1: uh.
0: yeah so a very good director just never really got his time to shine outside of his original film um not really much more to say about this. This is easy to find on YouTube and in pretty good copies considering when it was. I mean, i someone must have found it on VHS or something instead of just, you know, yeah, taping on TV. I watched
1: it really. I mean, the, I watched it on YouTube and it was. I thought it was really good quality and it's not. That's not always the case.
0: <laughs> Our second film is actually really similarly themed, just with slightly different execution. It is called Lisa from 1990. Very hard to find. Uh, thankfully, it is on Tubi right now because it is severely out of print on Blu-ray. I'm holding on to that bad boy. I uh,
1: have seen that movie before. I have seen Lisa before. Yeah, well, we and rented it when we were kids. I have not even watched this one before. I'm not 100% sure. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, we watched it when we were kids. We rented it. And um, I had seen it a we bunch don't... when I was collecting the VHS all those years ago. You know, we
1: don't want to talk... About the fact that this was one of the uh, the early uh, the early projects of, of Candace Cameron, was this before the show started or not?
0: Oh, um, I saw what you did was I think. I oh, think it, the,
1: it, this, the show said it started eighty seven. The, the movie came out eighty eight, so it's probably around the same time that it was.
0: Made. Yeah, I'm guessing she probably shot the pilot, and then yeah. uh, you know, someone saw that that pilot or whatever and picked her up. For, I mean, She was quite
1: is, impressive for a little kid. It
0: was, and there was a time when she did um, quite a bit. I feel like she was in a bunch of movies around that time, smaller roles. I think she is in um, that football movie with Kurt Russell and uh, Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was called, but and then she was in co- uh, not Cocktail, um, oh. Punchline. Um, oh,
1: I, I've never seen whatever you're referring to, but Sister was in Some Kind of Wonderful, which I guess I haven't seen in The Grip. Punchline, yeah, uh... I don't see what
0: movie you're talking about. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of somebody yeah. else. But you know what's funny is I, I get the so. feeling that Thanksgiving and Christmas are very tense around the household. Because she never seems anywhere nearly as crazy as her fucking brother. Um, I, don't, I don't really know. I think they're all a little bit special. <laughs> I saw so... the dancing video this week. <laughs> What'd you say? I, there's a video that was going around this last week with her dancing like a lunatic.
1: Oh, well, I hope she's living
0: her best life. That's all yeah, I can yeah. say. Um, okay. So Lisa is directed by another guy who just, as much as people wanted him to have success, it never happened, and ended up with TV movies again. But uh, Gary Sherman did a very grimy, wicked little film called Vice Squad, which made uh, uh, Wingshauser kind of a direct video legend. But other than that, he did Poltergeist 3, which is goddamn awful. It is so fucking terrible. But, uh, thankfully, it led at least to Lisa, um, which did, you know, it barely came out. But this was a time when uh, United Artists um, and MGM were dead as a doornail. I think I've told this story before, so I apologize if I did. Um, Ted Turner was notorious for buying up. Uh, MGM, you know, and taking the catalog and put it on TV and colorizing and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. then sold the studio off. The guy who bought the studio lied to the banks and said that he had the rights to all the films that MGM made. Oh. He didn't. He didn't have shit. Um, and the banks found out, they put him in prison for years, and they took the studio no. away. Yeah. Wow! But the bank didn't want to invest a ton of money in their films, so they bought UA, which was also on the verge of bankruptcy, and UA's deal was, we'll make movies for you for like under $5 million. You'll make a little bit in theaters, but you'll make it on video later, and that's where their bread and butter, you know, selling to cable and video. So for... Yeah. I don't know, for like five or six years there, MGM was teetering constantly on bankruptcy. Um which happened like three times in the, in the last 30 years. But Lisa was one of the very first movies that United Artists did for them. And it is very low budget, very efficient. And none of that matters um, if you have a good story and good actors. No, I mean, the biggest name in this is Cheryl Ladd, for Pete's sake, who was in a Charlie's Angel, you know, halfway through its run. And it's, it, it doesn't matter. I think it's a damn good movie with excellent acting. And I wish it would be discovered by another generation
1: yeah there's actually like i didn't even think that this was hokey at all like and you know a lot of times when you go back and watch stuff from the 80s especially or in the 90s you just think oh this is kind of painful uh with the dialogue and the awkwardness but it wasn't it's like it still holds up and it still has a lot of like oomph
0: yeah, and, and while it does have both of the... It starts off with a prank phone call. What I think what makes the difference is Stacey Keenan's character is driven by rebellion. And, and she, yeah. she doesn't really need to be pushed for the most part. Her, she has a friend who kind of eggs her on a little bit, but not in the same way. And a lot of these problems... I think the most interesting part of this movie isn't the killer. I think it's the relationship between her and her mother. Yeah. And... Just yeah. so frustrating because now that I'm older, as Cheryl Ladd's character, you feel for her so much. You're like, what the fuck are you doing, child? <laughs> Stop it.
1: Yeah, um, I think that this is one of those stories about holding on too tight, and the um, you know the potential problems with, with parents who hold on too tight, and I think that's a lot of, a lot of the cases with kids, you know, when, when they start to act out, and, and like, they're not acting like themselves, I don't know what they're doing, it's, you know, that's, that's what's happening, is like, you, a kid who's never caused problems, and never given you a reason to be worried, you hold on so tight, because the the universe is scary, or whatever, that you get these kids who are just so tired of being treated
0: like babies. Yeah, but also there is that thing where teenagers are so frustrated with being, they're almost adults. They're so close to being adults, but they can't live like adults, and sometimes they need to back off and enjoy the peace and solitude of being a teenager sometimes, And And not be
1: in such a goddamn hurry.
0: Yeah, it's like these repercussions that cause you know that that's because she wants to jump to adulthood so fast.
1: Yeah. And yes, you like, if there are any young people listening to this, which I'm sure there's not, like, please just slow down. There's there's no rush. It's really hard to be an adult too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't want to ever be a teenager again. But, I mean, there's, there, there's give and take on each side. Oh, now you're an adult. You have to do this, you know. You know, And it's just like, well, I wish I could do this. But then you're like, well, I had to suffer that. Like, I would never want to go back to school again. Holy shit. And deal with all those people. Um, but as an adult, I'm like, bills! Oh, God, bills! <laughs> you know, 40-hour yeah. work job. A job where you have to uh, tolerate, you know, you just have to eat spoonfuls of shit because you have to pay yeah. things, you know. <sighs>
1: Anyway, yeah, yeah, it is interesting that these these movies are fairly similar, uh, especially in how they begin. Uh, you know, there's so many. There's so many movies. It seems like almost every decade, and so, well, I guess still uh, that that the phone is almost like the villain.
0: Yeah, have you ever seen <laughs> Nine Seven Six Evil?
1: <laughs> no. It's just like I just keep thinking about all these things and it's like, you know, like when a stranger calls scream, uh, you know, there was then there was ones that were the cell phone ones. I mean, they were god awful, but it's just like it just it's the same sort of cautionary weird thing. Like, do people think that phones are evil?
0: <laughs> it is. It is interesting how that it's a communication device that can be used for so many terrible things. Yeah, and what I like about this is like I said we're in the middle of rubber reality one liner jokey kind of horror films and yeah. D.W. Moffat could have played this bigger he could have but he has yeah. no one liners and whenever he's he, he, whenever he's kind of stressed out or scared like he's going to get caught or someone's after him he has this internalized terror like you can see it but it's in slower movements it's not like this big campy horseshit. shit I think he's really yeah, no, good. Yeah, I, I
1: appreciate the subtlety of it because I personally find that to be much more effective for me personally.
0: Yeah, and it, he has, like, this method. And a lot of serial killers, I mean, I haven't done a lot of studies on it, but I've seen enough movies where they kind of have to have a pattern that they develop. And if that pattern, it's like an OCD thing where, where if it gets interrupted, that could throw them off in such a way that they can barely function. And yes. he doesn't do it in the obvious, like, oh, God, like, in a room or whatever, talking to himself in the mirror. Like, what am I going to do? You have to kill him. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I also thought Cheryl, I thought she was fantastic in this. And it really is a good little script for all of them to shine. What is that guy actually
1: like? known for because I definitely know him but I don't know for what he's just just one of
0: those those, character actors yeah he's just one of those character actors he's got a few moments where he got to star in a bigger movie like I think I want to say he's in the line of fire, but I, I might be confusing that with Dylan McDermott. See, he's one of those guys too. A lot of these guys r- uh, rose up at the same time. Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, Dermot, Dermot, Yeah, Um uh, are all kind of quite similar. Yeah, um, I'm looking oh. here, and he really wasn't in any big movies. He has a small part in Pacific Heights. He was in. Tr- he had kind of his peak in the early uh, 2000s. It was Molly, Traffic, uh, 13, Twisted. Um, and then it back down again, TV. I remember they tried to make him a TV guy. Um, they kept offering him TV shows. that just didn't last. Uh, palace guard was one of those that we, I, what we watched when it came out, but I can't remember shit about, um, what is the one? Uh, it, I think it was a Jason Bateman show. One of the many canceled Jason Bateman shows. I believe he was sure. the oldest brother, Chicago sons. of was him. And what's the guy from 10 things I hate about you and numbers. He's always like sardonic and kind of, uh, Goofy. Fuck's his name. Crumholtz. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave Crumholtz. Crumholtz,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so I remember that was a TV show, but I'm Let's looking see. here, and it says that he was in a TV show called For Your Love for four seasons, five seasons.
1: It's like, yeah, uh, he's got like 100 credits here. Most recently, he's on this new TV show with Susan Sarandon.
0: Oh like one of those Yellowstone knockoffs?
1: I think it's like a country music dynasty type thing. Oh, so more
0: like um what's that show that was on Fox about the the hip hop group? What the hell's that called?
1: Oh yeah yeah. I forgot. I forget Empire Something like
0: that, yeah, that sounds right.
1: So I can't remember exactly. I know what you're talking about. So yeah, I guess maybe, maybe they're it's like that. But you know, the the westerny type shows seem to be kind of having
0: a a, a moment again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't know that Stacy Keenan was not her original name. It's Anastasia Love Sigorski. That's beautiful. Ah! That's a beautiful name. That was a- Crazy. Yeah. Stacy's kinda lame, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but of I course... mean it's
1: not it's just uh it's just very meh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, someone yeah. probably told her it was the eighties and she needed to you know, she probably had an agent that said that she had to change her name, so
1: but none of that's
0: really close to her name at all. <laughs> yeah, she, she only did a couple movies, but we mostly know her from her TV show she did when she was younger, My Two Dads being the first thing. I think she shot that yes. between one of the seasons uh, and Step by Step for a really long time. I was and a big
1: fan of My Two Dads. My
0: Two Dads is way better than uh, Step by Step. I watched an episode recently. Do you remember we were crazy about Cody? And that was like the only thing I ever remember yep. from that show. And there was a joke from that I will always remember. It was like, guys, I'm so disappointed. I rented Importance of Being Earnest. And Ernest isn't even in it. (laughs) Wow. 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 Um, Oh, my God. And and it's funny, as we go through a lot of this stuff, I feel like a lot of these uh, younger actors really, thankfully, prepared for post-acting. She's now a deputy district attorney. Wow, that's
1: really
0: bad. Yeah, I'm just glad it's that instead of the old way where we kept hearing horror stories about all these young actors that just weren't taken care of.
1: yeah that's you know but uh yeah you still hear a lot of a lot of things and it it is very sad it seems she was acting as recently as she was in a movie with Kristen bell 2010 huh. she did some stuff hollywood darlings in 2007 uh, 2017 which I don't know if it's like a mock show or what, yeah, plays exaggerated versions of themselves. Childhood star- stars and friends Jodie, Eaton, Christine Leque- from also from Step by Step, Beverly and Mitchell play exaggerated versions of themselves in their current lives, navigating the ups and downs of living in Hollywood. That might be kind of fun.
0: Yeah. Anyway,
1: um, so she still acts sometimes, but yeah, I'm glad that, you know, when, I'm very happy when people find another path.
0: Yeah, I think two. Two of the cast members from Parker Lewis are lawyers now. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, someday we'll that's get to Parker e- Lewis.
1: not an easy path.
0: No. Um, yeah, someday we'll get back to TV shows. I would love to discuss Parker Lewis. Some of the shows are too yeah. long or they're too generic, but Parker Lewis had a very particular voice and constantly evolved through his three seasons. So I think that might be an interesting one. Um so yes. that is it for this episode. Um of the two which did you prefer?
1: Um I think that Lisa's a better movie and also like I guess felt more re- realistic.
0: Yeah. It's um, a little more polished to it as well.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, yeah. The other one made me kind of mad, but but I guess that's just, you know, the nature of the thing. Like, hey, don't prank call people. Like, never. <laughs> Even when you have a cell phone, they'll find you. Somehow. Yeah. Because it happened. <laughs> just don't do it, y'all. It's just not funny.
0: No. Um, Facebook and Twitter under Hit Rewind and all your podcast hosts. And that is it, everybody. Have a good one.